0: Welcome to the Live Life Extraordinary Podcast. My name is Bianca Johnson, and I'm a spiritual life coach, mindset master, and manifestation teacher. My mission is to guide you in creating a life of true fulfillment and lasting happiness. I teach practical tools that help you live with purpose, manifest your dreams, and be blissful. If you're looking to uplevel your mindset, your confidence, your relationships, your abundance, your spirituality, and so much more, and you've come to the right place. Think of this podcast as your personal roadmap to transforming your life from ordinary to extraordinary. I know that in such a short time, you will experience transformation beyond your wildest dreams. Thank you so much for pressing play today. Now let's dive in. Hello gorgeous souls and welcome back to another episode of the Live Life Extraordinary podcast. I'm your host, Bianca Johnson, and in today's episode of the podcast, we have special guest Alison who is a licensed therapist and she's going to be talking to us about some of those deeper, darker, more difficult emotions and how we can start to experience them for to live a more fulfilling life. So, Alison, thanks so much for being here with us today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm super excited to have this conversation.
0: Yeah me too. Right before we started recording I was just sharing with Allison that I feel like you know there's been this trend of like good vibes only and like new age spirituality and self-development and stuff like that that's pushing people away from those more darker feelings for some reason for fear or whatever it is. So it's a very necessary conversation. I'm very excited that she's here to share this with us. So Allison, why don't you tell us a little bit about like who you are and the work that you do and how you got involved with this work?
1: Yes, so um, I am a licensed marriage and family therapist in California, I have my own private practice, where I focus on, you know, working with ambitious women of color, um, work through like high expectations, perfectionism, and also like those darker thoughts like such as suicide or death or wanting to escape. Um, It's something that I've been feeling very passionate about. I remember when I went to a conference as a grad student, I saw this one book by Irvin Yalom. He's kind of like, a rock star in the therapy world. Uh, and, and he, and he, not, not to me at that time, but then I read it and it was all about like embracing death anxiety. And I'm like, oh man, like, I like, oh, I'm feeling this at my core. This is dark. This is deep, but it's extremely healing. So it's something that I've always kind of gravitated
0: towards. Very cool. Very Very cool. So for people who are kind of like in this space where they're not, quite ready or they have these feelings or these thoughts that they're not quite sure what to do with them and they're maybe not quite ready what what is your like advice for them to get started on you know moving to a place of healing
1: well one of the things that I mean and I'm kind of like a broken record with it is being compassionate being compassionate with yourself and looking at these things from a non-judgmental stance which I it sounds super easy, like as I say it, but it's extremely hard because we are very judgmental and we're raised to be very judgmental. So just to say, "Oh, be nice," and to yourself, yeah, okay, got that. You know, <laughs> like no, it's it's usually not as easy. But if you're practicing being intentional with being more compassionate with yourself, um, it can it gets easier over time um, because everybody has these dark feelings. Um, maybe not always thoughts of death, but maybe like thoughts of wanting to escape. It's, I mean, for a lot of people, when you have like thoughts of suicide, it's something that it's not the thought of suicide. Isn't the issue. It's the fact that something else is going on. That's leading your brain to that for most people, you know? So everybody has all these dark and uncomfortable feelings. It's what do we do with them? Some people say like, oh, you're being like pessimistic or you're being down or you're being dramatic. When it's like, no, this is like a very valid feeling.
0: So that's a great question. You said, well, what do we do with it? What do we do with it? When we start to have these thoughts and feelings,
1: you, you be curious, um, you allow yourself to have curiosity as to what it's saying, because every, there's no such thing as a bad feeling. You can have an intensely painful feeling, but it's not bad. It's telling you something. So be curious just the same way as maybe you might be curious what's like physical pain in your body. If you feel something like cramp, you're not going to be like, well, okay, maybe you'd be like, why are you here? But then you might like do something to address it. Oh, maybe I'm dehydrated. Maybe I'm this, maybe I'm that. So you won't get the cramp again. You know, it's the same thing. So like, um, it's like anger. I know a lot of people have a really hard time sitting with anger. It feels very negative. It feels very mean. It feels very hateful but anger in of itself isn't really a problem it's what you do with the anger that's the problem the anger itself is either indicating something else is going on like are you sad or are you scared because sometimes we revert to anger because it feels a little easier than some of the other emotions like when you're driving and someone cuts you off you might get really scared for a moment like crap am i gonna hit this person and then once you didn't hit the person, then you get really pissed off, like, whoa, what the hell? Like, what just happened? You know, like, it's really kind of like comforting that fear that you just had, or when you're more like maybe when someone's missing, you're like, oh, they were supposed to be here at this time and I can't get reach them and they get home. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you're safe. Now, where the hell were you? <laughs> so anchor could be like that, or it can indicate that something needs to change if you're sensing yourself being bitter, sensing yourself being resentful, okay, well, what needs to change? Or do we just need to get space for the thing that's not gonna change? Because sometimes there's things that are outside of your control that you're not gonna be able to make an immediate change. Anger is very activating. I mean, that's why we get like social justice is because of anger.
0: And this is such like a great conversation because I was just having that conversation with a friend the other day about the concept of anger and how we feel like it's so bad and we feel so wrong for it. But I'm like, you know, um, the BLM movement founded on anger, Me Too movement founded on anger. Like anger is a great catalyst for change sometimes. Um, And it's so funny listening to you talk about like, you know, sometimes that it's like a mask for something else. It's not anger that's the problem, but it's what we do with the anger. I'm actually earlier this year working with my personal therapist anger was like a major theme for me um and that was exactly what it came up to is that like it was safe and okay to have anger like it's totally appropriate to have anger but it's like what do you do with it do you lash out at your partner or do you take a moment to recenter how do you navigate the anger is really the important question (laughs)
1: Yeah. Well, I think that's part of the reacting is if you're not connected with yourself and hearing what you're actually needing, it's easy to just react
0: yeah absolutely you were bringing up fear too and I think that fear has been a major theme especially in the last two years you know with like the pandemic and so many lives being lost and things of that nature like I know a lot of people very close to me are experiencing a lot of fear during this time but um from like a spiritual perspective I've heard a lot of things talk about like how you know we either like live life in alignment with love or we live it in alignment with fear and fear is more of like the ego brain but that you know our survival is ultimately dependent on fear right like if we didn't have fear we would just like run out in traffic and like play on railroad tracks and like go for a swim in 20 degrees weather like you know we need some some level of fear but I think just like you were sharing with anger it's not the fear that's the problem it's like what we do with it right like if we Mm -hmm. let it overcome us and dictate our entire lives or if we learn to like get curious about it and find some other way to manage it or find safety or find a sense of comfort or whatever that we need.
1: Exactly. Well, because our brain, even though like, let's say you have a presentation that you have to give and you're scared of, okay, like, what if I say something embarrassing? What if this, what if that? We still take it as like, we're getting chased by lions. Like we can't distinguish it. Like. And so it can become really overwhelming. Not all fears means that we're gonna die, but we're allowed to be fearful. We're allowed like all feelings are valid, regardless of how you came to that feeling. But it's like, what are like if you give yourself time to like feel centered? Like, is this the thing that you need to do? Is it safe? Is it fear like jumping out of an airplane with a parachute? Or is it fear of, you know doing something really dangerous where you could die I mean obviously parachute you could die I mean there's always risk to literally everything but I guess if you've sent in yourself you're going to be able to figure out okay this is safe for me to be able to do this it's scary it's unknown but I can, you know but I know I'm going to be able to survive this
0: yeah I think that's an excellent point that you know our brain can't often determine the difference you know and so it's like it's the same thing that holds us back from our dream career or asking out somebody that we really like or you know putting ourselves out there is the same like kind of survival thing because our brain is just like oh fear that must mean survival is at stake here Mm -hmm. Um, so I think that's that's a really interesting thing to kind of explore and think about so I mean for people who are like nervous about sitting with these, these feelings or for whatever reason, maybe it's discomfort we're afraid of, or what, what kind of advice do you give for people who are like, maybe starting to approach that, the difficult feelings, but are apprehensive about like sitting with it.
1: Well, you don't give yourself permission not to be perfect with this. It takes time. You're not going to just say, I'm curious about what I'm feeling. And then like, oh, the heavens opens and you just like, get it. You're not. I mean, you are trained to react and experiencing the way that you have, like, if that's been your whole life, then that's been your whole life. You're reprogramming yourself. So tiny steps, usually like with my own clients, one of the things we start out with, it's like, okay, what is this like? not even noticing the emotion at first is usually the thoughts that lead us to the emotion. So a lot of people I work with, you know, they'll say really kind of judgmental mean things about themselves, like I'm stupid or I'm dumb or blah, 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 blah. So if you're able to catch one of those statements and again, go back to that curiosity, what is the statement really saying? So um, like example, I... I'm gonna give an example of me like checking in with myself. So I've been like networking like crazy this past month, like emailing and emailing and emailing. And I guess I didn't realize how tiring that was gonna get. And so I started getting really upset. And my brain just spiraled. And um, but then I gave myself like permission, like okay, why what is it this thought really representing? One, it's me being really tired, and two, it's me being really scared. I'm scared of being disappointed if the things that I want to do isn't going to work out. I'm scared of this. And then I let myself be okay with being scared with that. Because being like, disappointment isn't always bad. Disappointment, I mean, okay, it's not like a fun feeling. I mean, I wouldn't really like push that on people, but it really just indicates how excited I was for like the thing I was doing. And so, yeah, so I was able to not spiral as hard, because I was able to give myself permission to like okay let me pick this thought okay what's underneath that thought and sometimes you really have to keep digging and digging because we're going to try to keep ourselves safe I mean but that's why you know but that's why like I see a therapist and that's why other people see therapists because sometimes we're like this feels really painful and I want to go there Um, But I need somebody else to
0: kind of help guide me through that. For sure. Having someone to still like uh, for a little love, support and guidance goes a long way. Yeah. I've noticed Mm -hmm. that too. I've done a lot of the digging work myself as an individual, but then there's every once in a while, I'm like, I really just need to work with someone else for a little while. here. (laughs) That's funny. I think too, one of the things that I, that I've noticed in, in learning to be more present with my emotions and, you know, get curious about them is that some emotions feel very similar, like anxiety and excitement feel very, very similar. And so, you know, I would have something like major going on in my life. That's maybe a really positive thing, a really awesome thing. And I just like have this like lingering anxiety, quote unquote. And I'm like, why am I so anxious all the time? I don't understand why I feel so anxious when in reality, it was like more of a excitement and not like, you know, anxious and like this is a bad thing I'm afraid but like anxious like you know when you're anxiously awaiting your vacation or anxiously, you know what I mean it's like they're very very similar but one we give this bad rep to and the other one we're like oh this is totally fine so like learning to notice those subtle differences and being able to like again like you said get curious about it
1: mm-hmm, exactly I mean it's they, a lot of them do look very familiar like um like grief and like depression can look very familiar. Sadness, I mean, obviously sadness is a component of grief, but grief is mourning the loss of something or someone. It doesn't necessarily have to be a death that can be of a person, but maybe a death of an idea, death of relationship, a death of a dream, death of whatever. Um, And we just automatically assume, oh, this is bad. When, no, it's not, it's it's intense, it's uncomfortable. And you can see how people aren't really comfortable with sitting those with those things Um, when you go to funerals it's almost like people try to cheer the person up who's grieving like oh they're there maybe they're in a better place. You know, you know, they'll say things like, at least they're not in pain anymore um, because we're, we have a really hard time sitting with that, We have a hard time sitting with it with ourselves and with others when it's not necessarily bad. It's just an indication of something Like with you and talking about the anxiety. There's like, I'm going to Disneyland and I'm super excited and I can't go to sleep at night type of anxiety versus, oh, I have to get my wisdom teeth pulled out. <laughs> yeah, they feel very similar, but they're also very different.
0: Yeah. And, and you were just talking about how we try to like comfort people and cheer people up and, you know, and loss of human life, but even like notice this a lot, like in breakups, you know, like when like a relationship is lost, like, oh, you were too good for him anyways, or, oh, like he was a jerk anyways, or, oh, his friend sucked or, you know, whatever excuses we have to kind of like lessen the blow of the pain, because you're right. That like, Joyful moment or empowering moment, or whatever it is that we get out of that, those words of encouragement is much more quote unquote pleasurable or desirable than like the sadness and the loss and the grief and everything that comes with it.
1: Yeah, well, we're just not really trained to talk about uncomfortable things. We can't, it's hard for people as a society for us to be sit with sadness, to sit with anger, to sit with fear, guilt, shame. So I think- we're going to do everything we can to make ourselves feel better and other people feel better because not even for them. It's like for me, like, Ooh, I don't, mm, I don't like how you're feeling on me. So like, let's brighten the room. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Right. We always want pick out, to pick out the, you know, the Debbie Downers, the Karens, the, you know what I mean? Like we always want to, and I think there's something in that, that like, when we witness these people being this way, there's like this level of judgment that almost makes us feel better about it too. Like puts ourselves on this pedestal of like, well, at least I'm not the negative one or I'm not the this or that.
1: Definitely. I mean, and I feel like that can be a whole different like conversation i don't know if any of your guys you or any of your listeners have watched the movie in but i feel like ooh, this can go down but like what's your relationship like what's your role in these relationships and how it functions and yeah
0: yeah all that what is that it's like the projection of like the internal stuff that's going on yeah that could take a whole other turn down <laughs> a, a major conversation so um do you mind sharing though for people who are like trying to almost like I don't I don't know if it's like gaslighting themselves or like bypassing these difficult emotions and trying to like feel good their way out of it like what is the advantage of actually like processing these emotions versus just like avoiding them for a better feeling emotion I like to think
1: of our emotions as like those like beach balls the inflatable ones okay and when we shut them down they pop up. And they keep popping up. The further you shove it down, the faster it comes popping up. Um, And I also see this a lot in therapy when people say, like, I don't want to talk about this. Like, maybe they don't say it, they think it, and then somehow it comes into the room. It's because when we're shoving these things down, it's still very, very present. We're not actually shoving it down. It is very much there. But if we can just give space to it, and talk about it or feel it or have that compassionate self-soothing towards it, it'll kind of just float away on its own. Like you don't have to hold on to it. I think a lot of people what they get scared is if they sit in it, this is going to be like this is going to consume them. This is gonna, they're gonna succumb to the intensity of the pain and they're just they're just gonna be upset forever. And it's usually the opposite if you sit with it, it's really intense. It's really painful. And then you get some relief and it floats away. And then if it happens again, you know, it might even be less intense.
0: I love that. Yeah. Um, I used to describe it like a, like a basket of dirty laundry, right? Like that, like you can throw a blanket over it and pretend that it's not there, but it's still sitting there and you still know your room's a mess versus when Mm -hmm. you just take the time to fold it and put it away then it's put away and it's not just kind of like mm-hmm. hanging out in the corner with a blanket over it, like pretending like it doesn't exist. <laughs> it's funny. Exactly. Yeah, I, I love it's- the analogy though of the, of the beach ball and pushing it down because, you know, we've all done that as kids, right? Or boogie boards or something that we push <laughs> under the water and kind of prevent right, back it from, up. yeah, yeah. And the further you push it down, like you said, the faster and the harder it comes up. I think too, like a lot of times we kind of like kind of coast through life thinking that things are like happy you could go lucky or whatever and then all of a sudden we have like this massive like emotional breakdown or like outburst or whatever like we freak out at our partner. We're like, we're just crying for no reason. All of a sudden we're like, oh my God, I have no idea where that's come from. And you're like, oh, it couldn't possibly be all the stress that you've been avoiding or all of the sadness you're avoiding or all of the disappointment you've been avoiding feeling for so long. So what kind of tendencies do you notice that people do to help them avoid difficult feelings like people you work with?
1: Busy. They just get busy. I mean, it's, and it doesn't even help them avoid the feeling. It avoids them feeling compassionate because they're still judging themselves mm-hmm. and there's still lots of shame and lots of guilt and embarrassment of not being enough or doing enough or whatever enough. Um, so it doesn't even help you when you try to avoid it. You still feel like crap. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I've, I've witnessed this a lot, whether it's people who are like over committing themselves to work or volunteer projects or like getting another degree or another certification or whatever it is, or like, you know, just taking on like extra social commitments or whatever. Even I think we even do it not in the sense of like, quote unquote, productive things, but even in like keeping ourselves busy with Netflix or keeping ourselves busy with going to the gym too much or keeping ourselves busy with whatever as like that form of, as you said, avoidance. Hmm. yeah
1: it's like what can I do to possibly not be with me which is a reason why a lot of the people that I work with have hard time sleeping at night because now you have to quiet yourself and quiet your mind and all the things that you've been shoving down are popping right back up
0: right that makes sense that definitely makes sense well this has been a really fun and interesting conversation and I hope that it inspires some people who are maybe like you know, cause I think sometimes it's hard to recognize, like when you are doing the busyness thing, you know, like hard to go th- like, Oh, I'm keeping myself busy. Cause I'm avoiding dealing with, <laughs> you know, difficult emotions. So I hope that if there are people who are kind of like struggling, but aren't sure what the underlying things are, that this maybe shed some light for them that like, Oh, why am I doing this? <laughs> like, you know, what else could be going on and how, How can addressing this lead to a more fulfilling life for myself, right?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, because once it's addressed, again, you get that relief and you really get in tuned with what you're wanting to do or what you're needing to do. It might be hard to do the thing like let's say the anchor pops up and it's because somebody's violating their boundaries, which by the way, a lot of people don't know about their boundaries until someone violates them. <laughs> Whoa, I didn't know that was a thing. I turns out I don't like it when people do X, y, Z. Now I have to put up that boundary and it can be so hard. but when you're able to tune into yourself it can you can feel I, be, I guess not feel, but like be living a more authentic life, something that's more aligned with you versus, what you
0: want you to be. Yeah. 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 I I talk a lot about the, you know, the false, the false self and like how we are this version of ourselves that mom and dad want us to be, or our first grade teacher wanted us to be, or society says we should be versus who we truly are, you know, Mm -hmm. who we truly desire to be. So very cool. Well, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom and your expertise with us. If people are interested in diving into some of those darker feelings, I'm sure that that's something you help guide people to do. So what ways can people work with you if they're interested in continuing this conversation and this journey?
1: I am accepting some people for individual therapy. Um, I'm also going to be running some groups this year. Right now, I am in the process of filling my sitting in the darkness group, which is focusing on ambitious women of color coping with like the thoughts of death. Um, But hopefully later on this year I'll also have like a, a group for, you know, working, you know, working through
0: perfectionism, those high expectations and learning to let them go. Awesome. Those are so needed. I'm so excited to see how that those journeys like assist people this year. Um, and so if people want to follow you online or anything like that, where can they find you?
1: Yes. Um, I'm on Instagram at Allison Gomez LMFT. Um, and I'm Allison Gomez with one L. I'm very <laughs> special kind.
0: <laughs> awesome. And do you have a website too where people can find yeah. your, your services?
1: Yes. Um, www.allisongomezmft.com.
0: Awesome. All right. And so all of Allison's information is going to be in the show notes for you guys if you want to access her a little bit quicker and easier. Allison, there is one signature question that I always ask um, because this is the Live Life Extraordinary podcast. I'd love to know what is your de- definition of an extraordinary life?
1: I think just living and doing the things that you want, regardless of the fear like just going for it, being bold and being visible, being seen, not like forcibly being seen, but like not hiding.
0: Yeah. I love that. Well, Alison, thanks so much for joining us on this week's episode of the podcast and listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in today. We can't wait to connect with you guys again soon. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode of the Live Life Extraordinary Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast at biancamjohnson.com forward slash LLE podcast, which is linked in the description box for easy access. When you subscribe to the podcast, you'll receive weekly notifications when new episodes are released, as well as a free higher self guided meditation to get you started on your journey of becoming your best self and creating your best life.